Hello. Thank you for joining us for another episode of This Week in AML. I'm John Byrne, Chair of the AMLRS Advisory Board. And I'm Elliot Berman, our Creative Director. We are excited to welcome you to the This Week in AML podcast, where we explore key news and developments in the global financial crime prevention community. Hi, John. How are you today? Hi, Elliot. How's everything going? Uh, goes as it goes, but uh, it stopped raining here, so that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've been having quite a bit of rain, and, and as we record this, hoping that opening day in baseball doesn't get shut out. Of course, in Milwaukee, it's a closed roof, so if it's raining, whenever they have opening day, that's not going to be a problem. <laughs> right. Yeah, we open on the road in a non-dome non stadium, but you're right. We, uh, we get to play no matter what the weather. Uh, so this week, um, another uh, release related to the Pandora Papers came out, uh, focusing on the gatekeeper. It's called the Gatekeepers Who Open America to Shell Companies and Secret Owners. And um, as you know, this is a, uh, a joint uh, effort by the Washington Post and the International, I always get this wrong, sorry, International... Uh, consortium of investigative journalists. Yeah. Thank you. I, I see. I, I mean, I can see it in my head, but, you know, I can't get the words out. It's what happens when you get old. So uh, very interesting, actually attacking or uh, focusing in on, I think that's fair, a piece of the reasonably Byzantine approach to how corporations in the United States, you know, do their business is um, something called registered agents. So uh, let me take 30 seconds for those of our folks in our audience who aren't familiar with this part of the corporate universe. Corporate law in the United States is almost entirely governed at the state level. So if you want to incorporate, you can't do it at the federal level. You go to the, some state and you meet their requirements. And one of the things that most states require is that you appoint a registered agent. The purpose for that, I mean, the, the big picture purpose for that is so if somebody wants to reach out to the company and can't find the company that you have somebody whose address you can send something to including things like lawsuits if you wanted to sue them so i assume you saw the article and uh, uh and actually um, both on the websites of the post and the icij yeah i did um I would just say to our, our uh, AML colleagues, ICIJ is a worthwhile cause. They'll, they accept donations. So I get a separate email from them as well as obviously uh, the Washington Post is my local paper. So I did see that. And, you know, as we've talked about before, the uh, work of the investigative journalism industry has been really essential to moving legislation, to shining lights on issues. And so whether it was the Panama Papers Pandora, Paradise, you know, whatever, you, FinCEN files, all those things. This I thought was particularly interesting because both of the, the name they gave the uh, legislative vehicle that's been introduced to deal with this, Enablers, the Enablers Act, but also that whole concept of gatekeeping and enabling because, you know, FATF has spoken quite frequently about ensuring that CPAs and our profession, legal profession and others have some responsibility to report activity. And this is certainly one which we sort of knew there was no, there were more than gaps in, in how this is covered, but we sort of knew this is an area where 
little or no, in most cases, no due diligence gets done. Yes. And your reference to FATF, I mean, there are, it is something that shows up in their assessment when they do assessments of the United States and our, you know, overall anti-money laundering regime, they point out that, that weakness. And there are countries, uh, Western countries, UK is a good example, where uh, legal and accounting professionals do have obligations that are uh, more than just uh, take anybody who comes through the door and do anything they want you to do, um, which is sort of the U.S. approach. Right, right. You know, and, and a couple things, you know, the, this, the article goes into historically when Congress has looked at this, how the secretaries of state have put up their hands and just said, hey, not us. Right. Uh, so whether it's Wyoming, Nevada, Delaware, Montana, you name it, these states that make money out of incorporation have never believed that they have an obligation beyond sort of minimal due diligence. So I think we can't forget that, but politically a lot tougher to do. And that's why I think the legislation uh, is designed to focus on registered agents, which even the secretaries of state have pointed at. Uh, although, as I just said, I think there it's sort of a pox on both houses. Yeah. So the the Enablers Act that you referred to was introduced in the House in October of 2021. It's been referred to House Financial Services and uh, they have not held hearings. I don't know if they've taken any official action. So it is sitting there. Um, The timing of the introduction seemed to be in some way responsive to the original Pandora Papers release. Uh, which was interesting. Um, The other thing is uh, uh, the article focused a lot on Wyoming and um, there was reference to the fact that there was some effort uh, a few years ago to introduce a piece of legislation in the Wyoming legislature to try to tighten some of this up. And it failed to win approval. And the argument was it was somehow of an invasion or inappropriate in the context of free speech, which struck me as a uh, not a constitutional lawyer by training. But um, it struck me a little bit like trying to defend yelling fire in a crowded theater. But um, but again, I, I have a. A somewhat different view, I think, of these things. Uh, same one you do, but different from the folks in the Wyoming legislature in 2018. Right, and one of our colleagues um, uh, is quoted in the in the article, uh, Sarah, Sarah Beth Felix, who's done a lot of great uh, work in AML compliance. Um, you know, basically saying that this is a this is a major a major gap. Um, so I thought in the story, she said, you know. Uh, what she said is if I were a criminal, this is a quote, or ran a criminal enterprise, I would have a field day with registered agents because I just need to find another adult with a pulse, she said. Right. Uh, so I thought that was uh, a, a good uh, way uh, to comment on that. But I also would say that, you know, this is relevant to today because of trying to find uh, where the oligarchs are stashing uh, their funds, their real estate, their art, all, all of that. So it's all relevant. And I would imagine, even though the Enablers Act hasn't moved at all, House Financial Services is having a hearing coming up fairly soon in which there's a number of proposals 
besides looking at how the Corporate Transparency Act and AMLA have been uh, implemented or proceed to be implemented on some of these legislative vehicles uh, wanting to see some push there. So I, I think there's going to be some additional focus, if not outright activity. And this is a prime area for, for, for that activity. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, the other thing that I found interesting in the article is there were a couple references to the possibility of require, you know, like requiring the registered agents to compare their clients to the SDN list. And I was thinking, again, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I don't consider myself a, a, a super in-depth expert on sanctions, but if you right. look at many of the sanction programs, it's quite clear that they apply to everybody in the United States, the ones, the, the ones issued by the U S treasury. And so, you know, the idea that these folks are somehow, well, you know, they could go that far. It's like you and I have to go that far before we do business with someone. Now, it, it doesn't extend to as far as the undisclosed, you know, beneficial owners of the companies that these folks represent. But it's possible, often, sanction programs that add people to add add entities and people to the SDN list, including known LLCs, if someone's figured out who they uh, are with. Um, I think the short, you know, the punchline, obviously, that starts at the beginning is there's essentially no oversight. And in the states that you mentioned, Delaware, Nevada, and Wyoming, to name three of probably the five or six in the U.S. that are, that really are secrecy havens, um, uh, without nice beaches, um, they are, um, they're the worst. I mean, so if there's little oversight, they have no oversight. Um, and that's, um, and that is a hole, um, that needs, it seems to be needs to be filled. Right. And read the story. If you get a chance, Uh, it's in the Washington post on April 5th. Also, ICIJ's website has it. What's also interesting is these registered agents have thousands of companies that they register. So, and their argument is, well, there's so much, what, how are we supposed to do this? The, the, the Wyoming focus said the number of LLCs has soared past 10 years from 4,200 to 220,000. So that tells you all you need to know. Yes. Um, last little factoid. So the, the, the article focuses a lot on individual or what I think of as small operations that are acting as register agent. There are legitimate large corporate service companies that right. do service, you know, uh, they act as registered agents for all kinds of legitimate businesses. I mean, I, you have an LLC and I have an LLC and I'm, yep, yep. Uh, I actually have, you know, the law firm that does the legal work for my LLC, they have a subsidiary that is in fact the registered agent so that the annual report stuff comes somewhere that will actually get to me as opposed to if I moved and forgot to change the address of the business. So there's legitimate activity going on here, but there's a lot of um, not my job and don't look at me and I'm not, you know, I'm just collecting my fee and doing what the client tells me. And I don't even know who the client is. It sounds a lot like our friends in the real estate industry, frankly. Yeah, I think I think that's a great parallel. There's an, uh, another hole where we know there's we know there's questionable activity, and yet um, 
so far we haven't had the political will either at the state or federal level to fix it. That's right. Uh, real quick, a couple of things I want to uh, highlight that are coming up. Uh, April 28th, you'll be uh, moderating a panel on helping prevent domestic terrorism. That is at one o'clock Eastern time. And I also want to highlight, besides the investigative journalist group that we just referenced, uh, the Organized Crime and Corruption Reporting Project also utilizes investigative journalists. And one of their own, uh, Kevin Hall, is going to be speaking at our um, uh, AML Partnership Forum. I say ours. It's a separate organization. It's a not-for-profit. But we're helping organize this first event. The Partnership Forum will be in Washington, D.C. on April 20th till the 22nd. Information is available. Just uh, go, go Google AMLPF and you can get it off of our site as well. But Kevin Hall will be doing a presentation uh, about investigative journalism in general. And I'm sure we'll be covering some of these stuff, some of these issues specifically. Yep. All right, John, have a great weekend and I will uh, talk to you next week. Sounds good. Take care. Yeah, you too. Bye bye.